0: Someone you should, you should Know, a program about people you know and
1: even more that you don't. Hosted by Stuart Sachs, veteran,
0: husband, father, and grandfather. Now, here's your host, Stuart Sachs. Well, hello, welcome to another edition of Someone You Should Know. I am joined today by Joan Posseve, and we're going to be talking about something that you probably are very, very aware of, but you may not really totally be aware of it. So with that, and having said that, uh, we are going to be brought to you today by our good friend Irving Chung, who is a franchise specialist. Now, you have talked, you know, we've talked about Irving many, many times. It's a brand new year now. Maybe this is the year that you might want to branch out, and it's a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today, that maybe you're looking at maybe a little side gig to make a little extra money, and maybe it's a franchise that you're looking into. It may surprise you that you don't have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get into franchising. There are some extremely affordable full-time and part-time franchises available out there. Reach out to Irving Chung, the Franchise Specialist, He'll have a little bit of a conversation with you. Find out what your wants and needs are. And hey, maybe franchising is what it's all about for you. Because Joan is no no stranger to a side gig, a side hustle. We were talking just before the show, when I was growing up, uh, we used to have a paper route. Or uh, my buddies and I would cut grass in the summer and we'd shovel snow in the winter. It to earn a little bit of spending money, you know, maybe put gas in the car. We never called that a side hustle. Today, it's got a formal name. And Joan knows all about side hustles. And so I wanted to invite her to come onto the show and just talk with us a little bit about what it is and how she got into the business of side hustling. So welcome. Tell us a little bit about you, Joan.
1: Thanks so much, Stuart. It's great to be here. And I, I was laughing when you were talking about just the, the difference in what it's called today. I've I've certainly found that over the years. I remember when I first heard the word blog, and I went, well, what is that? And I looked into it. And it's like, isn't that an article? <laughs> You're just writing an article? <clears throat> or uh, there was another one. But yeah, a, a number of times like that. Side hustles. Wow. Um, that probably started... Around the time that I was in my first career actually was as a banker, but uh, please don't hold that against me, and uh, it was actually during that time that I was about 18 years old and friends of mine said you know Joan, there's a seminar occurring in town, you should go. Now they told me it was on business matters predominantly marketing something that i was interested in so i went well you can imagine my surprise Stuart, when it turned out yeah. that the guy wasn't talking about marketing at all it turns out he was talking about your mind and your potential and this guy went on for like two hours and i sat there memorized mesmerized it was the hilton toronto canada this big ballroom i was like three rows back two seats in And he talked about your mind and your potential. He said, it doesn't matter what's happened to you in the past or really where you are now. It's where you are going? And he said, anyone can have, do, or be anything that they want seriously in their life. That was shocking for me because up until that time, most of my learning had been, you know, different typical school subjects, science, history, math. I had never had anybody talk to me about my mind and my potential. And he said, and the other thing was too, I thought up until then that when you were born you were dealt certain cards so to speak from the big deck and those are the ones that you had to play and i found out that's really not true you can keep the ones that are are helpful or supportive ditch the others and, and and pick up new ones but at any rate uh what ended up happening i was just so intrigued with this information that uh went down really that career path simultaneously to other business ventures because as the personal development side started, I got more and more involved in that. And uh, so one of the goals that I set, uh, was to become a bank manager. And I thought, wow, if I achieve that, like my life would be made. What, what more could I possibly want? And, uh, turns out in
0: the banking business.
1: Not at all. I just, I love numbers. I still do. I love the number crunching side of things. Yeah. I'm one of those odd people that actually like, what's that?
0: Especially addition. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, without a calculator, I can do it too. <clears throat> and, uh, but worked at that for a couple of years and thought, you know what, that this this isn't it. I thought that that was it and it wasn't. And uh, so ended up going into the personal development space as a speaker and trainer and author. And the reason, main reason I had the businesses on the side and some of them became full-time was, and some of them side hustles, is that I never wanted to be a speaker that just talked about stuff, but actually did it and, and had like a sandbox and a, and a playground. So out of that sprouted uh, sub, side, side hustles, sometimes those went full-time, sometimes not.
0: It is it, it, So, you know, I mean, you're you're young, you, know, you go to the seminar and yep. okay, so something snaps, but my gosh, the whole world of, of careers is out there and why, why the financial industry? I mean, people say, I want to be a botanist. I want to be an anthropologist. I want to be a scientist. I want yep. something exciting. And you say, I want to be a banker.
1: Yeah, that's true. I'm shaking my head now, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> looking back, I do recall bef- like more back in grade school of, Oh, I want to be a veterinarian or I want to be a lawyer. Yeah. But you know how you mentioned you had like a paper route or, Shoveling snow. I mean, I I was that person as well. And I always liked the feeling of having a few bucks in my pocket because to me, that spelled independence that it was my money. I could do with it what I wanted. Of course, my parents thought differently, but at any rate, that was my perception. And so I was always working part time since I can remember. Like literally, it started with a paper route, I think, when I was 10 years old. And as far as the banking, I started as a part time teller at the age of 16. And so I was doing that as I was going through high school and I found that it was actually my work at the bank that was helping me more with my math at school than the other way around. Ah, And so by the time, and and back then I'm dating myself uh, in Ontario, Canada, I'm in the West coast. Now we had grade 13. And in, I remember out of six subjects for me, four of those were math, going back to the math thing again. And uh, I was getting promoted through, the um financial institution i was a supervisor at the age i think 17 and so that was like i am too impatient to sit there and post education i just want to stick with this and and pursue it so that's kind of how it happened and i loved the like i said the entrepreneurial side of it like during that time we ended up doing we my um, business partner of 40 something years now um our first one i think was the christmas tree lot which is not going to be a thing down in uh, Dallas Fort Worth necessarily, but uh, up in Canada, if the right location, uh, very lucrative.
0: Well, and and you you mentioned Christmas trees, and, okay. and it it is that's that's something that usually uh, here here in uh, in the Dallas uh, Fort Worth area, it it's that's usually a side hustle that the Boy Scouts take on. Mm. You know, every yes. corner the Boy Scouts set up and they sell their their Christmas trees and all. Uh, the churches here, uh, Halloween, they have pumpkin patches. And nice. They raise money by by you know with with pump. Uh, as I said uh, earlier, uh, I did it by shoveling snow in the winter and and uh, uh, cutting grass in the summertime. And my best friend and I uh, uh, printed a neighborhood newspaper. It was one page. And we in in those days we used a, something called a typewriter. Yes, I remember. and uh, we would type it out and then mimeograph off the, <clears throat> the, the page. Uh, I think maybe we had about 35 customers in the neighborhood. And if I'm not mistaken. it was like 10, 10 cents a week. And yeah, uh, but in those days that was that was enough money to get you uh, a bag of candy and entrance into the movie theater yeah and and we did that. And now that I have have mentioned that, I'm sure that there are people that are watching and listening to us that are saying, yeah, I used to do this or that when I was a kid. Yes. And, and I'll bet that the vast majority of the people that are watching and listening to us have done something over the years in order to put a few more bucks in their, in their pocket. Yes. Today, that's called a, a side hustle. And, and you, you started doing that. How old were you when you started with the Christmas tree lot?
1: Uh, let's see. I would have been in my early 20s at the time. So that was something that was, especially at that age and my financial circumstances yeah. at the time, and that was a huge endeavor. I mean, the trees were costing us 10 grand back then. And what wow. happens is you order them back in October for them to be delivered the first week in December. And they're all offloaded. You're at this location and by the way this is a great example of location 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 Yep. and uh it was it was it was just it was a perfect spot it was in a high-end neighborhood within the property of a, a garden center that sold like these 300 hundred dollar wreaths that people were buying for above their garage and that type of thing but at any rate so the trees would be delivered and then you sit there and you stare at them and you're looking at this money, and like nobody's buying Christmas trees the first week in October, and you're thinking, is this the right move? <laughs> yeah. But eventually, as we got closer to the 25th, right? That last week, then they they disappeared and it was a lot of fun. But then it was about, I'm gonna say, probably about eight years later, I moved to the West in a small ski town in the mountains, where it's more of a scenario that you described. It's the Boy Scouts selling them, it's the churches selling them, and they were selling them retail. For less than I was buying them wholesale back in Ontario, so we, we left that business back east. It just didn't make sense anymore.
0: Yeah, uh, it also, those were the days where even even a young entrepreneur, you didn't really necessarily have to have a license you no. know to buy and sell goods. Look, you know, I, I'm sitting here, my mind is just wandering because I'm, I'm remembering when I was a kid in the neighborhood too, how many kids had a lemonade stand in the summertime? Uh, yes, and the neighbors, you know, for twenty-five cents or something, you'd get a cup of lemonade. But when it was ninety, to, you know, degrees out, the neighbors would all come out and they'd they'd buy it. There were also the ice cream vendors in town. Uh, yes, that used to peddle ice cream out of a out of a you know a little uh, bicycle type of, type of thing. those yes. were those were all examples of of entrepreneurship. Uh, you know of uh, the the Yankee ingenuity to get out there and just uh, you know. However, would you say that before anybody says, "Yeah, okay, I'm just going to just go out and do something," you you should have some kind of a business plan. I mean, you certainly can't buy something for five dollars and sell it for four.
1: Right. Exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yes, I'm a huge fan of business plans because what I find they do. Is they push you to think of aspects of the business that you wouldn't have thought of, particularly if you haven't been in business before, you know, whether that's, you know, the cost of lending or the cost of product or shipping or whatever it is, there's going to be some aspect of it that in the past hasn't been in your wheelhouse wheelhouse, and uh, it's great to give it some thought too. And I just wanted to touch what you mentioned on the lemonade, because this is really key too, for anybody thinking about getting into a side hustle. I had a fascinating episode on my podcast recently, Side Hustle Hero, Jonathan Schuett. And he runs a popcorn stand at a farmer's market every Saturday. And the guy is making a killing. Consider your cost of product, right? Right. Like, Pennies for the actual popcorn. He's selling it for 10 bucks a bag. Okay, that's Canadian. So that's probably around $7 and something US, but still. And he said, there was another guy in the market because I was asking them, okay, how about people that fail? What are they doing wrong? And he said, there was this one guy that was, he's not there anymore, selling steak sandwiches for about 12 bucks. He said, they were really good, but that's an expensive piece of meat that you're putting in there. Right. So I'm thinking like that piece of steak versus his popcorn. And so as an exercise for people, if they're thinking of a side hustle, the next time you're at a farmer's market, am I using the same, the correct term for yes. Dallas-Fort Worth? Farmer's market, country market? Yeah.
0: Yep, we, next we time you're them.
1: walking around there, yeah, just consider, like, take a look at the vendors and and consider, you know, the cost of their product, what they need to get started. Give you another example, this same guy, he said, I flew down to Reno, which he said, by the way, one day selling popcorn, paid for his whole Reno trip when he was down there. It's crazy. And you're paying. The other thing about farmer's markets and I love, and we can talk about this later, is it allows you to test a market at a minimum uh, cost to you. Up here for that market, it was like a hundred bucks versus you having to sign a lease and and committing to something for three to five years. So I'm a huge fan of, of farmer's markets. At any rate, so he's down in Lake Tahoe and he sees this guy selling snow cones and he's like, it's frozen water, and this guy's charging eight bucks, and that is U.S.
0: Right, right, and he's put oh. twenty-five cents worth of syrup over it to to give it a flavor uh, and all, and then and yes. there's an additional maybe upcharge for that, yes, which, which is inflated five five to ten times. You're you're, you're absolutely, yeah. and and you bring up the farmers' markets. That in itself has grown as a hide hustle, a side hustle for a lot of local uh, farmers. Because mm-hmm. they'll, they'll yeah. either do it uh, on the road, roadside uh, set uh, yes. they raise their own uh, crops. So uh, you eliminate that having to buy it wholesale and sell it retail. Uh, if you're growing it in your garden, uh, you sell to the market and what you take a, a little bit of it and you put it out on the road. And now you're making 100 yes. percent profit on the product that you're putting out there.
1: Yeah.
0: So and, and again, that's all the, the math part of it. Is so yes. you, know, you you think a little bit about what you're going to do as your your side hustle, uh, in, in order to make the most profit out of what you're going to do. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, when he was in college, uh, he was an artist. He used to uh, paint on oil and canvas. Mm. And, uh, even you know, you we're seeing a lot of resurgence of people as they get older. They go through their careers and either while they're still working or after they retire, yes, go back to taking out the canvas and the oils and start to paint a little. And then you go to a community show and you, you, you sell your paintings, whether you're Mm -hmm. selling for, you know, 20, 50, a hundred, $500 or more. That's another example of a side hustle.
1: Yes, absolutely. And depending on what that craft is, There are so many platforms out there, and the biggest one being Etsy, where Mm -hmm. you sell your products through a platform like that. Yes, they're taking a cut, but suddenly now you've got the potential exposure to a global audience.
0: Yeah. And also, it's a heck of a lot cheaper than saying, okay, I'm going to start maybe a little gallery. So you go down and you sign a five-year lease. Some right. piece, and you've got to keep the the air conditioning going, the heating going, the lighting. Taxes. On. Every, yeah, you have every... to have regular hours, and, and either you're there or you have to hire someone. So, ka-ching, 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 the cost side keeps going up. And you say, okay, well, I'll just sell my paintings for $5,000 a piece. Uh, well, if you got a market for that, fine. But if you don't, you can't hope to to sell that yeah. one painting a month in order to pay your rent and overhead costs.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So in that case, too, you're better to uh, partner with uh, uh, like an agent or an art gallery, uh, you know, if they like your work. And again, they're going to be taking a bigger cut, but at least you don't have all those expenses that you just described, Stuart.
0: So you become the financial part of of it and you hire somebody who knows the product end of it. uh, Mm -hmm. Partner, uh, go together and you make a success out of it. So you started with Christmas trees. What other kind of, uh, you know businesses did you get involved in? And were these well thought out plans before you started doing it?
1: One of my favorite businesses, and I'm still a fan of the industry today, is uh, self-storage. And, and that's
0: everywhere in the country, <laughs> it everywhere. is. It,
1: yes, the U.S. had about ten times per capita than Canada back when I got started. We're catching up, but still not as saturated as uh, some of the, the the pockets in the uh, in the U.S. But what had happened was, and all this time, I'm, again, I'm, I'm I'm traveling two career tracks. One in the personal development space as a speaker and trainer and author, and then the businesses on the side. And there, at one point there was this weekend seminar that I was teaching called Wealth and Women, and very intensive, uh, really high energy. It was a lot of fun. And part of that, I, in preparation for it, was studying and researching about passive income. So those would be income sources where it might, it does, require typically a lot of work from you in the beginning to get it up and going established. Right, but then. Yeah you know it's 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 passive you're getting paid while you're sleeping kind of thing uh, and, and back to your involvement anyway there are in addition to um, passive income investments there's passive income businesses so think of things like parking lot car wash automated car wash uh, automated laundry mat and self storage and the more i went down the rabbit hole of self storage i went oh my god this is perfect for me and my business partner but um, there's quite a price tag on them and I didn't know anybody in the self-storage industry. And I wouldn't mind sharing uh, an analogy after I I share this one for any side hustle or any goal that you go after. Um, It's principles of which I ended up using the principles in order to connect with a person who I didn't know, but ended up becoming my mentor because he owned a string of self-storage properties in two major cities and basically said, I'll teach you what you need to know kind of thing. And it was him opening up his businesses and staff actually that gave me the confidence to then go ahead. And I ended up purchasing a facility, uh, was doing it for about 18 years. And that became quite full time because we were continuing to expand it. But one of the side hustles that I did out of that, we saw that there was a market building for kayaks This was going back, I'm going to say, 15 years ago, something like that, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And one of the things that I did, and again, this is the number crunching. This is looking at the the costs. I didn't want to, obviously, I wanted to keep my expenses down as much as possible. And so the storage facility was called 12 Mile Storage. And so I decided to name the kayak business 12 Mile Kayak, because we were running it on the site of the... Self-storage facility. I had about seven and a half acres there, so I had room for it. So then I just used the exi- existing staff and when they answered the phone, it was, good afternoon, 12 mile. And then based on the person's question, then they were either directed to somebody with the kayaks or, or, or the storage kind of thing. So I didn't need another phone line and, and that sort of thing. Um, so that was a side hustle. And if I can throw in one more kind of teaching point in there, sure. We were ju- we were just doing sales and I would have loved, to someone to come along, and I did keep my eyes open for them. I did look, but never found them. Someone to come along who had the expertise to do kayak rental, or excuse yeah, kayak rentals and kayak lessons, and then pay me, I don't know, X number of dollars a boat per hour per day or whatever. Um, and then they run that part of it as their own business. And so it would have been a real win win. So the point of that is that if somebody's thinking of getting into something, maybe a Seasonal boat rental or something like that. You don't necessarily have to buy the asset yourself. Maybe there is an existing business out there that you can add value to, put a few bucks in that person's pocket, and and utilize their their assets.
0: Yeah, you you become the, the marketing arm for <clears throat> for the business uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in in promoting. It. Well, you know now i'm 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 thinking like I believe some of the people watching and listening are thinking, oh, great. yeah, uh, these self- storage places are are phenomenal, but the investment side of it, you got to have the bland if 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 you buy an existing facility, yes, uh, but if you're buying the land and you're going to build the the facility and is it going to be have air conditioned and heated uh, sections and is it uh, other places fine. There's, there could be a lot of startup costs in order. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. So, so, you know, for somebody that says, I want to do something on the side, maybe, maybe the storage facility thing isn't, you know, a good way to start your, your side hustle. But if you rent a storage facility in that, that area and you, you know, maybe, and I've seen this happen at some of the storage facilities. They open up like one weekend out of the month, and and it turns it into—I hate to use the word flea market—but yep. but people raise their their doors and their storage facilities, and they've got their yes. artwork, their antiques, their collectibles, uh, and all. And then they close it on Sunday when they when they leave, and they come back next month and they open up, and they can cover their costs and make a lot of extra money on the side.
1: Yes. Yeah, actually we did that for a number of years. It started with, uh, I wanted to do some sort of a customer appreciation event. And I was thinking, you know, barbecues, like what, you know, but what would draw people out? Cause we were about 15, 20 minute drive outside of town. So I needed to draw them out for something. And I didn't realize this, Stuart, but like there's a whole industry of like flea market people. Like there, it's just it's like a cult out there. It's amazing. I had no idea until I started to to promote this thing. We had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people through it. We would do it once every summer, and we did it as a fundraiser, actually, for a, a nonprofit next door to us. Um, but it was super fun, and it gave the the people the ability to do exactly what you just described. You know, open up your unit and sell whatever you like.
0: Well, you know, and what this is is this is an offshoot. If you go back several generations, the traveling medicine shows—that's mm. what what the traveling carnivals and everything were all about. They would go from city to city, set up for a couple of days. They'd have rides. They'd sell food. They'd sell, uh, you know, uh, collectibles, and and that's how they made their money. And it was it was a win win for the people and a win win for those those promoters. When the cost started to go up. Or when government gets involved and says you have to have licenses and permits in order to do all of these things, then it gets a little bit muddied. Yes. But uh, but on the surface, that's why I say uh, almost every town, especially when you get out of the, the downtown cities, uh, very often you get into the suburban areas uh, where they have these, these farmers markets on the weekends. Yes. Not, not, o- not only the price is good, but usually the fresh produce and and vegetables that you get are so fresh because they were just picked today. They weren't raised across country and kept in a in a a, a freezer or something and put out like we we see in in the in the supermarkets. Uh, you know, and so a lot of people will say, "I don't want to buy my vegetables in the store because I can go to a market and yes. I." Buy it for the same price, maybe <clears throat> even less, and get it just just as fresh.
1: And I'm one of those people. I do the bulk the, as much of that I can uh, every week with our markets. I'm really uh, blessed with that. Yeah. Let me uh, toss out a because we were talking about self storage, and that is, uh, you know, it takes dollars to get involved in. Uh, on my uh, podcast, Side Hustle Hero, the variety of side hustles it's just it's just mind boggling. Of course, a lot of online things. But you know everybody's not into online stuff. And one of the side hustles that I just love and it really flies under the radar because it's not sexy, it's not out there. And that is picking up trash, picking up garbage around commercial and industrial facilities before they open in the morning. So you know in some of these uh, industrial parks, you know, you got pop cans and chip bags and like whatever right. else floating around. Well, you get have a you get the contract with this property owner or business owner to go in and do a cleanup in the morning. You're essentially getting paid to go for a walk. Yeah. And like startup costs are like under, under hundred bucks. So this guy out of Calgary that I interviewed for it, he brought that just to him doing itself up to a six figure income. It started as a side hustle and, and grew it to full time. But then he really scaled it when he turned his attention to getting other people, and you, you kind of made reference this before hiring people, right. getting other people to do the cleanup. And he just went out getting the contracts. And I was thinking that is so smart because there are a number of, say, senior people, retirees that still want to be doing something. And some of them are early risers. Again, getting paid for a go for a walk.
0: I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, uh, at the beginning of the show, I. Uh, Mentioned to everyone about my good friend Irving Chung, who is yes. in the franchise business, and uh, one of the franchises that he recommends for people that are, have a full time job they want to do something part time is pest control. He said ah. you pest control does not involve an awful lot of, of expense side. You have to have the chemicals and the the uh, uh, proper uh, equipment and all to dispense that, but you can spend your weekends making appointments. And hire someone to drive their own vehicle, if you will, open up the trunk of the car, take it out, spray the, the the property with the with the chemicals that are needed, make money, and you can do it from the convenience of your home on a part-time basis. Yes. And if it's successful, you get a second <clears throat> person with another vehicle and right. you expand it. People yep. mentioning car washes. Yep. There app it happens to be a a franchise out there that uses waterless car washing. It's it's spray. Uh, yes. Um, they spray the the the, the li- uh, liquids on uh, from a container in a car. Okay. Now stop and think. You find an office building and you walk in and you s- send out your flyers and you say, Hey, while you're working during your first ah. shift. I nice. will clean your car when you come out you've got a, a clean car and you had can go to one location you don't have to run all over town to do it uh and know and he said that like you said some people are making up to six figures by going to one location and washing cars a few days a week oh, that's brilliant
1: you're making it so easy for the customer wow I love that yeah
0: and and it's it's just a a thought process i uh, uh, you know podcasting has become a big side hustle uh, people do podcasts and you get sponsors and everything and you make a little uh, extra extra money and some people turn it into a big big business like the ted talks and and this kind of thing that, that's going on uh, you mentioned your 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 website and it's a uh, www.sidehustlehero.com this right. is folks See some of the things that uh, Joan is, is talking about. Uh, you can also go to uh com, another website, and get get additional information. But if somebody's out there saying, Yeah, you know, I should I should try doing that. What what's the first what's the first step to somebody that wants to turn uh you know a hobby or whatever into a a side hustle?
1: I want to add into there... A, a word of caution, because we've been talking a lot about a number of pretty simplistic side hustles, and they are. However, when you're looking at some of these, particularly online, people make it sound so easy, like you just put out your shingle and you know you're going to be retiring on your sailboat at the end of the month. Especially with a lot of the online stuff, I mean, it's bizarre, and you know, podcast you've got to be doing a lot of work to get to the revenue point. Yes, um, a lot of preparation. Are, involved. Yeah, and you're doing your, we, we talked about like arts and crafts and that sort of thing. There's a lot of competition out there. It's not you can do it, of course you can do it, but be prepared to spend some time getting your name out, making the right connections. So that would be the first thing is how much time and energy can you devote to it? And, and I would really encourage people to, once they've found that side hustle for them, is to make a commitment that you're going to stick with it long enough for it to be successful. There's something out there called shiny object syndrome. You start this, this, this side hustle and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be great. But when, you know, the numbers don't, pan out quickly or you're not gaining the traction or you come up against something that you haven't thought of and you don't know how to do it it's so easy to back off and then you see an ad somewhere about this other side hustle and you go oh how about that one and right out of all the i guess i'm about episode 85 now something like that so many of the side hustle heroes i always ask them what's your best tip for someone so many of them said stick with it you know this one guy I had recently. He said, "Joan," because he told me about all these other att- failed attempts he had. And he said, "The truth is, if I had just stuck with any one of them, I bet you they would have worked." So you got to be be aware there is going to be work involved, and uh, be willing to stick it out.
0: Well, you and, it's so and worth that, it though. That's that's true of somebody that that maybe it it's not a side hustle, but it's your bread and butter. Uh, it, you you set up a brick and mortar uh, store, uh, an operation. You can't just say, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell I'm gonna sell sweatshirts, hoodies. I'm gonna open up a little little shop and it's gonna have hoodies for all the sports teams and all that. It's not a new idea, but right you're you're gonna you're gonna do you you figure, well, uh what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start that store and then in two years I'm gonna open a second and a third store, and then I'm gonna find somebody who wants to come over and buy me out and I'll retire. Right. It don't work that way. <laughs> And like you said, you got to go in and say, where do I want to be in the first year, the second year, have a five-year plan, even a 10-year plan. Yes. And then after 10 years, then maybe you say to yourself, I'm doing this right, or it ain't working, and I better go in another direction.
1: I encourage people and coach people to do actually both both those things in the sense of the shorter-term goals, like maybe that one-year goal, but then also the big picture, because if when you're setting a goal if the goal is big enough beyond what you've done before which it should be you're not going to know how to achieve it and the way you think right now might be a possible path probably isn't it it's probably this way so you want to have those shorter term goals so that you can keep score but keep the larger one the, the further down the road as well Because that becomes almost like the the guiding point. And do we have time for me to share that analogy with you that's gonna tie into this point? Okay. I write about it in my book, I call it the orange analogy.
0: Tell everybody the name of your book and when you uh, write
1: it. Sorry, Uh, the way success works, how to decide, believe and begin to live your best life. So there's lots of examples there from my own life and a lot of young uh, entrepreneurs, young adults, that have done amazing amazing things in, in terms of the results that they've got, but not amazing in how they did it. There's nothing that they did in there that you or I could not rep- replicate. And that's what I love about it. And so <clears throat> the way success works includes the sort of the how-to. And one of the uh, the analogies that I share in there is that if you and I were to take an orange seed and dissect it and look at it using the latest and greatest technology or the most powerful microscope, we would never ever see a little orange tree in there. Because the orange tree doesn't really exist in there. But it's interesting, if we were to plant that seed in the ground, the only thing that you and I would expect that orange seed to grow into is an orange tree, not a maple tree or a cherry tree or anything else. But the orange tree isn't in there. But what it does contain is a pattern plan or a nucleus that dictates what it can grow into. That seed is part of nature. You and I are part of nature and operate under the exact same laws, universal laws. But you know what makes us different, Stuart? We can grow into anything that we want to. So when we decide on a goal, and I'm not talking about, like this is past the point of like thinking about it and talking about it and deciding when we, we, excuse me, when we actually decide and say, I'm going to go after this, that's like choosing the seed. And then like any seed, you need to plant it and care for it and nurture it. In order for it to grow and that's building that image of what it is that we want to grow into and just like any seed there's a gestation or an incubation period same with the side hustle it's gonna take time for things to start manifesting and so you plant an orange seed or a carrot seed or anything you know a week later you think well where is it you know where's the results where are your sales oh that's not going to work right And then you've what you've done though is changed the picture. You had this big, beautiful, bold image of your goal. And now you're worried, doubt, and you've changed the picture. And it's like uprooting that seed. And now you're growing into another goal, which is not good. So we gotta stay, stay the course. And the more we we study this and our and our potential on the really the power of our thoughts, the more we will guard our thoughts.
0: And I think it's fair to say, too, that you you, you had have, have an advantage over a lot of a lot of people that you have a background in the financial industry. And if you have a plan for going into a side hustle that is more than lemonade stands on the corner, uh, you should sit down with a financial planner to say, you know, uh, what are the ups and downs? Uh, do I need the seed money? Do I have enough in my pocket to open up this side hustle? Or do I need the the help of a financial planner that's going to back me? You know, everybody would love to be able to have a rich uncle that says, sure, I'll give you the money that you need to start, start your business. Sure. But <clears throat> if you have to go back to the uncle and ask for more, it's going to be a short period of time before the uncle says, I'm tapped out. Right. Uh, so... You know, that's where it goes back to this having a good financial plan, even before you turn that little card around from closed to open.
1: And keeping in your mind's eye a picture of the goal already achieved, like from the moment you start and then you come back to like today mentally, you can see the gap between where you are now and where you want to be. So in order to get there, hmm, I got to be more educating myself in the area of finances as an example i mentioned to you that i knew nobody in self-storage really didn't know anything about it but built an image in my mind of owning a facility and lo and behold i end up at this party and was introduced to a friend of a friend who was the person that ended up being the mentor so build the image and it's amazing what you'll connect with what you'll attract to get there but you got to take action. That's a huge piece.
0: And you also alluded to networking. Uh, yes. Uh, t- talk to other people and find out because uh, there's all there's all often a lot of ideas out there that in a, in, a, in a, a group setting that ideas that you say, oh yeah, I can do that, I can do that. But you know, it's got to be the right fit. Not yes. Glove fits every hand. Correct. Uh, you know, I know that you have also. Uh, going into, uh, you gone into a wholesale of uh, uh, flowers you did a, a business like that and uh, and where did like where did you get the idea for that was well it, it was been...
1: actually myself that's that's actually another good uh, teaching point there was myself and two other uh, business partners that we were basically scouring looking for ideas and we came across an ad that this company was selling franchises okay. and i think the franchise fee I seem to remember it was like 20 grand or something like that. And we didn't have 20 grand. And a lot of people at that point would say, well, I really want to do this, but I can't because I don't have the money. Right. Well, coming up with the money is just one method. And as we ended up talking to these guys, we found out that they required a lot of the skill set that we had. A lot of it on the um, writing their uh, training manuals, Sales training, all sorts of stuff, and so we did a deal with them that we basically got the franchise at at zero cost, but provided these services to them. Yeah, and I I love the business, but I much prefer something like self storage or even what you and I are doing now. I can be anywhere in the world and will be shortly, whereas something like the flower business, I also owned a delicatessen, bought it as a turnaround project, and and really enjoyed that. But both with the flower business and the deli, you're dealing with the perishable. Exactly. You got like two or three days to do something, whereas the storage I build a building for and, and rent it for forty years.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. The floral business they say after Mother's Day <laughs> gets a little soft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm going to share another one with 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 the audience something that that my wife and I both got involved in, and that is we work for the city where we live. Uh, we work. They have a convention bureau. And what they do is they have these, uh, uh, you know, uh, expos, uh, they have, uh, you know, groups that come into town, uh, go into a local hotel, uh, rent out the, the, the conference space and have their, and they need extra help at, at uh, registration, or with passing out uh, goodie bags or whatever. And we signed on with the city and when the city has an event what they do is they just email us and they say we've got these three events coming up in the next few weeks. Here's the hours, how many people we need, and you pick and choose what hours you want. You don't have to be there Monday through Friday on a set. Right. Spot. Oh, you, I love that. Yeah. And and it's it's good side money. You work anywhere from an 8-hour day to maybe a 3-hour day. Right. Uh, and you meet great people and most folks just reach out to your local city and say is there opportunities for part-time work within the city and it could be taking tickets at the at the local park uh yeah. on a weekend or so uh joe would you say that 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 it was covid that helped spawn a lot of the side hustle business because everything basically shut down uh, due to the pandemic. And so people had to reinvent uh, the wheel for themselves in order to have money to put food on the table.
1: That was certainly part of it. And the economic point, or excuse me, the economic factor of that has certainly been a driver even more so the last couple of years with, uh, you know, the cost of everything going up, inflation more and more people are looking at those side hustles. Uh, So that's definitely part of it. The other key part is with COVID and people being indoors, technology like Zoom, for example, uh, really went through the roof. So it made a lot of things more accessible for people. And this increase too, in the available platforms, like there's a platform out there for pretty much anything that you wanna do. One lady I interviewed recently, she, loves dogs. She absolutely loves them. She lives in a building, they don't allow dogs and her partner's a little bit allergic, but she is a pet sitter on a platform called Rover.com. My
0: and daughter is too.
1: Really? Okay. And so, but she goes into other people's houses to, right. to take them for walks and that sort of stuff. And get, get this, she is working full time as a social media person. And so it really doesn't matter where she is. And so part of her pet sitting gigs is she'll go and stay in that person's house for like a week when they're away. And she's getting paid from two sources. One is she's working away her nine to five, doing the marketing and then taking the dog out. It's great.
0: Do you know my daughter? (laughs) (laughs) That's her life. You know, she she, really, yeah, she, she works from home uh, uh, virtually and all. and, And what she does is. And she basically has two two dogs and the people go out of town every so often. They she either picks up the dog or they drop the dog off at her condo, okay, and give her a little bag with the toys and everything. Yeah. and she she has a dog for a weekend. She's like a foster parent. So yes for the weekend, takes care of the dogs, gets nice money on the side, but it doesn't affect her work. And while she's working, she just has to free up one hand every once in a while <laughs> to, scratch, to scratch a tummy here. To, Absolutely. You know, but but these Fine. are good examples of, of side hustles. Uh, another one I have been doing for years, and that is I go online almost uh, usually two to three days a week, and I, I fill out surveys. I was, was going to mention that one too. you, yes. I, I belong to it. You, you don't get money, but what you do is you accumulate points. And then when you accumulate so many points, you get a gift card to, uh, my, my favorite happens to be CVS, because when I go to buy my toiletries or whatever I need at CVS, I can give them a gift card for $25 I got it simply by answering questions on a survey. And it takes a few months to accumulate the points. But it's a great part-time gig that you do whenever you want to do it. Yes, it you, does, set, you, you set you set your own hours, and I w- right.
1: I was thinking about that when when you mentioned the convention center work. Yeah, like that 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 gig would be perfect for someone who it gives you the the hours of flexibility. But somebody that's like outgoing and really enjoys people. But for those who that's not their personality and that's the last thing they want to do, yeah. something like filling out the surveys is perfect.
0: Yeah. And, and, and with working with the, a lot of these conventions, they need people at seven o'clock in the morning. Now there's a lot of people that are night people and they, they can't get up that early. But there's other people like me, I'm up at the crack of dawn anyway, and I can go over work from seven to noon. I I collect five hours worth of pay and all meet, meet people, get in the car, go home. I haven't had to invest anything more than, you know, uh, a gallon of gas or something to get there and back.
1: Yeah, yeah. So take a look at a at a side hustle that's going to match your lifestyle, your preferences. What you could really dig your teeth into.
0: And 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 as you said earlier, uh, uh, interact with other people that are doing it to see if it's something that you might also enjoy doing. Or just talk to other people and say, I got this idea to do this. Uh, you, you talked about rate rate planting the uh, the orange tree. well, yeah, it might take a few years for the tree to get uh, mature enough to start bearing fruit, but you could you could put a tomato garden in your backyard and you got tomatoes, you know, for several months out of the year, you put them in a little container and you can you can sell those those tomatoes there there's no really no limitations to what people can do in order to do. To, to make money on the side. If there was a uh, uh, a bit of advice that I think from both myself and Joan, make sure it's something that you would enjoy doing because if it becomes a tedious task and you're not enjoying what you're doing, it probably really isn't worth pursuing. And that's why you said earlier, there's so many people that drop out before they really have have realized their potential.
1: Yes. And like doing this podcast with you right now is a perfect example of this. Is this work? Well, technically, but it's like I'm having I'm having a blast talking to you. So.
0: <laughs> exactly. And this is going to we're recording now. It's going to air and then it can be paid forward because people can share it and they can 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 push it forward and and other people can watch it at their convenience and mm-hmm. learn a little bit about what we're talking about. And what we are talking about is is visiting joanposave.com and you can get a lot of information. Uh, you can find out more about the way success works, her book. Uh, and it's it it's just a it's fascinating to spend a little bit of time with somebody like you, Joan, in in sharing your passion, your expertise, your knowledge, uh, and all with a broad-based audience like mine, who I'm sure somebody is getting something out of this, this you know, a conversation and saying, you know what, I've always wanted to pick up those paintbrushes and start creating again. And I think that this was, this was the kick in the butt that I needed.
1: And today's the perfect day to turn one day into day one.
0: That's right. That's right. It's like putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Stop I talking did- about
1: it. Stop researching,
0: Yeah. start executing. Well, Joan, thank, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today and with my my audience. Uh, I always close my shows uh, with a quote, be yourself because everyone else is already taken. And <laughs> if you're somebody that wants to get into side hustling, that's a pretty good quote to follow. For I would sure. Say. So thank you again, folks. That'll do it for another edition of Someone You Should Know. Go out and make it a good day. And again, thank you to Someone You Should Know, Joan Possivey. Thanks, Joan.
1: Thank you, Stuart.
0: Someone you should know. know.